1: We would like to pay our respects to the traditional custodians of the land that we are recording our podcast on today. For me, I am in Sydney, that is Gadigal land, and Ioni is in Los Angeles, so she is recording on Keech, Shumash, and Tongva land. We would also like to pay our respects to their elders, past and present. Salmon or Dolly, through a great party, we all drank McCarty, it got kind of gnarly.
0: We're light a feather. feather, we're tougher than leather, together, together we're weeder, we're, 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 we're together. 67 hours and 52 minutes until I see you again. Ah,
1: damn, I love that you're counting. That's great. Yeah. What, um, you can Google. You, you Googled it? How long till Ben arrives?
0: <laughs> the whole world is waiting dude
1: i cannot i just this is such a heavy time in the world and it's been so intense to be separated through it also
0: exact Amanda. i couldn't
1: believe i had to walk up on stage the other night not to make it about me but like 15 minutes after the referendum was called you know which was a no victory depressingly um i had to walk up on stage and start entertaining people and start djing and it was like it was one of the first times I'd thought about like, you know, when you 2 played New York a week after the World Trade Center and stuff like like, what it takes for a performer to sort of hold space for things that might be occurring at a national or international level? Because you can't ignore it, but you also- I know.
0: I mean, did you oh, see-
1: Sorry. Yeah. What?
0: I'm not going to interrupt you. No, no, I'm no. Not go for it. Go for it. You. I love when That's you interrupt That's my me. mantra. Why? I'm Why are you reflecting
1: gonna... on that you interrupt me so much? What's that?
0: Last podcast. Oh, you listened like, back, you didn't like, pod- you weren't
1: happy with your performance?
0: Not really. You- um, but yes, yeah, Sarah Silverman uh, opened for Chelsea Handler or something, and she wasn't going to do it, and Chelsea said, we have to, this is what we do, we have to make people laugh right now. Totally. So she did it.
1: Yeah, it's funny, like I sort of have been able to, on stage, kind of put a lot of the things going on in the world out of my mind. But that night was for sure a challenge. And just, you know, I'd been texting with Thelma Plum, who's an Indigenous Australian performer, like right before I went on stage, and we were just talking about how
0: and again, depressing it was. And again, let explain to the and Americans.
1: Yeah, so this was a refer- national referendum we ha- had about recognizing Indigenous people in our constitution. And it just turned into something that should have been bipartisan, and it just turned into this huge political, almost like an anti woke vote, of like, you know, when are we shouldn't be dwelling on that anymore? Let's move on. And it just should have been such a simple matter. Um, yeah. So, yeah. and
0: also maybe not just Americans. Maybe we have other listeners that aren't. That's true.
1: Let's that fill in. Let's fill that. in those those Belgian. Some people Those Belgian England. beautiful babies, beautiful Belgian babies. We love you. Um,
0: uh, it reminds me of there was a kids' show called. Um, Romper room, I think, and the woman romper took stomper. out a spyglass. No. Yes, romper, room. romper stomper would be the darkest kids' room. Yeah, I've never seen that. Oh, it's great!
1: That's one of Russ's early, you know, victories.
0: I mean, when Australians go dark in cinema, they go dark.
1: When we go dark. We and go I dark. would have
0: to put at the top of the list "Bad Boy Bubby," oh, yeah. like "Wake in Fright." Is not even that dark compared to Bad Boy Bubby. And I heard Romper Stomper is pretty dark.
1: Alexi Toliopoulos was telling room, me about in the room.
0: Romper room, Roman romper saying. <laughs>
1: yes.
0: They take out a spyglass and say, I see Ben and I see Stacy and I see and so it was reminding me of a few minutes ago, but now the the moment's gone.
1: <laughs> Yeah, so Alexi Toliopoulos was telling me I haven't seen any of them, but apparently there's like three or four movies that that director did post Bad Boy Bubby, that is oh. are really amazing. And there's one I guess I think called Ten Canoes that is sort of seen as his masterwork. So we got to watch I'd that. Lo-
0: I could believe it. A Bad Boy Bubby was dark but good. I mean, it wasn't bad filmmaking. It was just it was just very very dark, and it was quite a funny story because you were going to watch a classic Australian film and talk about it on Alexi Taliopoulos' podcast. And then it got canceled and you were like, thanks. Cause now I've just seen the darkest movie.
1: <laughs> yeah, totally. Just put me through, put me through hell. Um, I had a really fun, two fun things happened yesterday. Um, one what? of them was, you know, I was filming a little thing for a bit of a. Secret project that I'll talk about soon. And I ended up suddenly like out on Sydney Harbor on a boat. Totally unexpectedly. And it was kind of amazing. Like, it was, it is one of the most beautiful places in the world. Like, being on a nice day out on Sydney Harbour, it was glorious. Now
0: I'm going to make you sing. I'm going to make you sing that song about Sydney Harbour.
1: Oh, wait. You mean like I still call Australia? Pro oh, Melbourne. Oh, oh from St. Kilda to, from St. Kilda to, the the Paul Kelly one. Yes. Yeah, well, that's like it. That's, yeah, he's like, well, I'll give, I'll give you all of Sydney Harbour, all that land and all that water, for one look at the boulevard. Yes, even he has to begrudgingly admit how beautiful Sydney Harbour looks, even though it's not where his heart lays.
0: Yeah, he's saying, I'll give you the most beautiful harbour in the world. Exactly. But I still like the streets of Melbourne.
1: Exactly, the hard streets. And then listen to this. This was so fun. So I went to meet Cameron James. Um, for mm-hmm. a beer at a pub in Marrickville and to talk about a project. Mm-hmm. And we're sitting there chatting. We're catching up for like half an hour or something. And someone walks through the door and it's Becky Lucas, totally by accident.
0: What? Um
1: So she's pregnant and she had a craving for a steak and she really wanted the steak from this pub. But so for people who don't know, oh, Cameron yeah. and Becky have a great podcast. Uh, I think it's just called The Becky Cam hotline. Cam, Cam and Becky, Becky hotline. hotline. And um but it was so funny, it was one of those things where like I sat and then I just we sat around for another hour or so, the three of us, and I got to like live out my fantasies of being like living inside the Becky and Cam podcast. So And I or, is really, there
0: rapport in real life?
1: Oh it's delightful. Good? Delightful. Yeah, there was like some if real that kind of some thing. Classic Becky Cam banter.
0: If that kind of thing happened in Friends or Cheers or a TV show where you, someone just walks in, you would sort of accept it because it's Cheers and <clears throat> you know, or like Friends or whatever. Like someone walks in their cafe, but in real life, when that happens, it seems like kind of amazing.
1: Wasn't it nice to bumping when,
0: into each other? Like yeah,
1: that. when funny people also are genuinely funny off stage. I just saw. Did you see that thing that Sarah Silverman shared? I think from when she was on Sharpling. About that interaction she had with Steve Martin. Did you see that the other day? No. So she shared this bit about, she said, I got to see Steve Martin just be classically Steve Martin. She was standing in a group with like Martin Short and Candace Bergen and Steve Martin. And Martin Short was like kind of facilitating conversation. And he said to Candace Bergen, Well, how long have you known Steve? When did you meet him? And she said, Oh, When I met Steve, he was so young, he didn't even know what prosciutto was, and he turned to the group, and Mm -hmm. Steve Martin says, and now I drive one.
0: (laughs) Isn't that great?
1: So good. (laughs) So great. I'm glad to hear it. yeah.
0: Because I was starting to worry that Steve Martin was actually very insecure and kind of losing his, like, sort of, or not losing, that maybe I just, he only had it on stage and in films um that like steve martin thing
1: well he's a depressive Be-
0: yeah, yeah and 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 i guess seeing him up uh, next to martin short who's so gregarious but i think when i was a kid the whole wild and crazy guy was was a big character it's a lot to jerk live up was to such a big- Big character, but then I heard he was. Oh, I was standing behind him once in a line in the seventies to see a movie in Los Feliz, and I was losing my mind. Did he? Did he have kids? Because I had a crush. Yeah. No, I, I don't think he had kids. Yeah, because I, I know everyone had crush. I know. I don't mean to to, to rub you the wrong way, because I know he had a. He liked Claire Dane. No, no, and that's well, dating, they did a
1: right? film together. No, no, no. I don't feel. Oh. I, I mean, Steve Martin. <laughs> <laughs> it all comes back if to my, Claire Danes. my masculinity was deeply threatened by Steve martin I mean Steve martin's a genius and he's you know a lot older than me I don't feel he's not one of those people that like I see as like competition for attention in my life if, it wasn't
0: like Prince
1: Prince I, I feel deeply threatened by <laughs> no um were
0: you when he didn't he no crack no he on did he did hit her? on
1: Claire when we were together um and it was um yeah but that's but also it's so absurd I mean when you're talking about geniuses, I don't know. I'll let them You're let them like, have their crushes, it. you know? It's like they yeah. they give us a lot.
0: Yes, so much.
1: What was that amazing poem that you found that you wrote? That I wrote? Yeah, that you sent me that the was other incredible. day. It's incredible. But I needed I a reading of now it.
0: To, I I need to do a spell check because I re, I looked at it again cuz it's so funny. When I used to write growing up And then writing poems and stories, I was, my head was massive. I felt I was like, not the best writer in the world, but very into my own writing. And then recently going through old poems, I thought, oh, some of them are good, some are not, blah, blah, blah. And then I found, I'm looking for an old script I wrote for a comedic, for comedic reasons. Which, by the way, it turned out to be like actually sort of good and better. <laughs> like I was hoping it would have some comedy. In any case, while I was looking, I found some poems and I had I didn't remember some of them. So I wrote that one out to you because I thought it was really good. I obviously was reading a lot of like But wait, Frank why do you need to Capra. spell check it if you're reading Frank it O'Hara, out? Frank O'Hara. Frank O'Hara. Frank O'Hara. Pardon me? Why
1: do you need to spell check it yeah. if you're reading it out?
0: Well okay. Do you want me to read it? I'll oh, read it.
1: Yeah. I was intrigued by it.
0: It's the funniest thing was that it was called, um, it was called. Uh,
1: yeah, here it is. It's, it's in, in your notes. notes. It's s- in your notes.
0: I know. It's called. I've got a, so it's many called um, a,
1: a peon called Ioni is a winner.
0: That's why I'm going to like murder spell check. Because that's not. Wait, why? It's called a poem, called not a peon. <laughs> Stupid. <laughs> I'm so annoyed. You know what I get like with these spell check things. I know,
1: but also that it's peons. An and there's so title. many things a in there. A peon called Ione is well. a
0: <laughs> <laughs> What's a peon? It's like a, a small A peon person. is like
1: someone who is like a second like class a citizen, below like a servant, below like the lowest of all. No, color.
0: it's so funny because the poem is called. A Poem Called Ioni is a Winner. So wait, A Poem Called is in the
1: title of it. Okay. And what age were you when you wrote this?
0: 25 Okay, mid-20s.
1: Mid-20s. A Poem Called Ioni is a Winner.
0: Okay, I'll read it. Yeah, read it. Do you want me to read it? I'd love you to read it. Together we're leader, we'll read it together. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices Hi, beautiful babies. I'm Ben Lee. And I'm Ione Skye. And we are the hosts
1: of Weirder Together Podcast.
0: If you enjoy our podcast, you might like some of the podcasts that our friends make and release on the Weirder Together Podcast Network. Like
1: punk legend Jello Biafra's Renegade Roundtable.
0: Multidisciplinary artist Brock Enright's trippy, sonic journey, vague data.
1: Making ways the art of music, an exploration of the ways that musicians and visual artists communicate and collaborate.
0: Raw Impressions with Lou Barlow and Adele Barlow. I
1: love that, one of my favorite married couples. And The Blag Show with Sarah and Sally, a collection of never-before-heard vintage interviews with legendary artists.
0: And The Future of Being a Musician with Ben Lee. Find these pods on your favorite podcast platform now. Love ya. It was the last time I saved something and the last time I left something behind. She's small. She's brown. She has a castle for a head and eyes that sparkle omens, good omens, future omens, omens that will. I don't know what I was saying there. Cloudy. Her voice is half alive on the phone when I am. When I'm miles away, she can't seem to get out of the neighborhood. Judgment, like hired help, always ready to serve me when I need to fly back home. Then she seems so dull. And one of me? I am ten feet tall like the song, like the sky, like the Chrysler building. I came and did... Oh, fuck. I don't know what it says here. Something. Right on, right on. Fuck, I need to okay, do a spell okay, check okay, then, okay, okay. but I want to put it in. Okay. Something, something. Um, I will rush with the waters, flow and snakes slink around tree trunks, sway with the windy night for stars in bubbles above your mind. Stir fires within the push and pull, yin yang, up down, 3D, one dimension, cosmic notions, astro planes. I am
1: in. I love it. You're like a you're like a beat. You're like a beat poet. I
0: know. I made it beat at the end. Do you know what I think it's about? I think she. I was sleep, I was sort of seeing a woman, but brown. I don't know. Oh no. You know what? what? She's small. She's brown. That was about my dog. Oh. <laughs> but I also That's was sweet. talking about a woman. Like some like someone I was going to go see when I was living in New York, and I'm going to go see here in LA. So it's sort of about being really depressed, and then I get on the roll because I'm like I'm ten feet tall, like the song, like the like sky, gassing like yourself the Chrysler up, Building, kind of like yeah. yeah. And then I'm like yin yang, and then I'm like Astroplanes, I'm in, like meaning I did it, like I got there.
1: <laughs> I love I but, love your um, poems. I think even I know you're going through a period of like <clears throat> critical reevaluation of your work because you're writing a book too. So you're like. You're in this. You
0: sort of were always like pushing me into reality. Like you were kind of like pushing me. Well, I just saw everything as like work in progress
1: to where you're.
0: Well, my poems, you were like.
1: No, I tried to help you get your poems published, remember?
0: I know, but recently you said something like. This is like that scene in the Woody Allen movie where the, where Mia Farrow's like, "You never, you never validated my work." No, I just said, Was I just said of, they felt like they,
1: they felt me. like they were written in your twenties, and I think the way you write right. now as a your thinking to me is like much more sophisticated as a writer. Which, if it wasn't, that would be bizarre.
0: But I don't know if I could write like that, beatnik. There's something about being young. You write, yeah,
1: you more like, in, also you more embrace like. I guess stylistic persona or something at that age where you jump when it's sort
0: of like that kind of – I was trying for like a Frank O'Hara type thing.
1: But I think you're – You know, like
0: future omens, good omens. But you're writing now. Like, yeah,
1: you (laughs) might feel like maybe stylistically you can't do that or wouldn't do that, but I feel like your writing now is amazing. It's like you're really communicating profound – insights about your life in the book you're writing. Well, you
0: get more sophisticated or you get smarter and wiser and more sophisticated and you, you sort of study, even though I didn't go to, I've done some writing courses, but, and I've read books and I've written a lot, but you, I do a lot of studying by watching film. You know, I'm a really into watching films and good TV writing and noticing. So over the years you sort of end up studying anyway. I was talking to Zoe Cassavetes about writing And she was saying, it is like a muscle, Mm. you know? And I guess I thought, because I wrote so much growing up as a kid, I wrote all the time. And then I wrote all through my 20s. Like I have so much writing I've done and scripts and, you know, journaling and book, not books, beginnings of short stories Mm. and poems and poems and poems, whatever. I thought when I got to this memoir, I was like, Oh, I've been writing forever, but I actually hadn't been writing for so long. And right. now I'm, I am getting better and she is right. It is a muscle. Oh my
1: God. Your writing is getting so strong. And also like, I don't know. I feel like it's like you get just in life in general, you get sort of beaten down with life. So it it zaps out the sort of superfluous language or melodrama and we sort of get, things yeah. get more bare bones. I think a lot as we get older.
0: Oh, for sure. I mean, my book's not going to be a beat poem. <laughs> no,
1: but you know what's everybody. funny? Your your beat poetry, it does kind of feel like your dad. You yeah, know what I mean? It feels know, like the I way did, your dad I've writes reading, notes and things.
0: <laughs> yeah, I've been reading his, uh, yeah, I was definitely, I mean, who, well, beat poetry oh my God. is, you know. It's like a big era of poems. Did you go to like
1: City Lights and stuff when you went to San Francisco when you I were young I once
0: girl? saw someone, I mean, it sounds like I'm only a Frank O'Hara fan, but maybe. But I saw someone reading his poems at City Lights That's with cool. Rachel Horvitz. And that was really cool. But I haven't really um, read, uh, I don't know. I actually don't know that many poets. Yeah, all that beat Dorothy stuff Parker, was like. she's not a poet.
1: And Allen Ginsberg and. You know yeah, like the also sort the of romantic poets and but the yeah. Uh, but, uh, yeah, that stuff was so influential on me. it's and then I remember a few years back when we had read that book, that off the road book by Carolyn cassidy, Neil cassidy's yeah wife Neil and, cassidy's wife and and he the who the main character in on the road, Dean Moriarty was based on, and it was just this sort of it was interesting because we read that like right, I don't know if it was like before me too, or just just at that time but it was sort of this time of sort of like historical reevaluation of women's roles and men's roles and representation and stuff and you do kind of realize how like deeply just wrapped up in men's the the right for men to like abandon their families and just go on their adventures yeah. that whole era like all that work is really wrapped up in that fantasy
0: yeah they should have done a walkabout before they had kids
1: exactly have that early walkabout
0: yeah, I mean, I know. I uh, that book was cool because it's the woman's point of view, and I got I got the rights. Didn't I buy the right, But you, she, you, you were talking Cassidy to
1: Carolyn about yeah, optioning it it was the and, woman's
0: yeah. POV, and it was really well written. But she was like so funny. She was like, Hollywood always messes up beat Nick, beat movies and movies. It would be terrible. <laughs> it's like right on i know it's funny she had but no yeah, fantasy
1: attached to like the like attention no, of hollywood that. or anything
0: and also beat beat movies are hard to yeah. do that, that it's like funny how 60s movies can be really challenging and beat nick there's certain eras that are very hard to capture why and is that the, the i don't know like beats i don't know maybe it's because it could be so corny so quickly or or it's yeah, it's weird because people do 80s. And people just get lost in the, lost the hair
1: and everything whenever they're trying to do yeah, the 60s. Yeah, wigs. the wigs.
0: And maybe it is funny, though, because even period pieces like from whatever, the 17th century, you know, you can see certain period films when they're in the 70s. You still see a slight 70s style in the makeup. and yeah. But then you've got movies like Barry Lyndon, which is like phenomenal. But if you held that up to people actually in the actual time, I'm sure there would be differences, but we wouldn't notice them.
1: I know. It's interesting how with period films, the way they do it is always as if everything aesthetically is true to the era, whereas the reality of the aesthetics of the world is that you're always seeing things from multiple eras at once. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah, like if I go outside totally. now, I'm, I'm looking out this window and I'm seeing a building that was built in probably the early 60s and I'm seeing yeah. cars from this year and I'm seeing people dressed that's, in clothes from true. 10 years ago. And it's just funny how the way we try and capture things cinematically is to make everything period true.
0: I know. Which is sort of not yeah, how life Yeah, just in works. this room we've got like this upright piano that looks like it's from the – I don't know when – 70s or 60s
1: yeah yeah about that yeah apartment pianos yeah probably 60s
0: and um then we've got you know i don't know a dollhouse from like 1982 and whatever and and some 1960s blown glass i don't know totes but uh yeah you're absolutely right some do it better than others but uh what do you think of the beckham yeah the women's oh the (laughs) beckham documentary (laughs) is so good did you finish it fisher you know, Fisher Stevens directed yeah, it. Yeah. And I love that. He seems about, like they're
1: yeah. mates. Just the, the sort of intimacy yeah. in the question and answer.
0: I guess he started doing documentaries like ne- a long time ago now. He was
1: doing more political documentaries and environmental. I remember he did a couple of things that like Leonardo DiCaprio had produced and he was doing a That's lot of right. stuff around that. And then, you know, he went through a I I think that must've been a huge interesting twist of events for him to get cast in succession and to play such a central role in that for so many years because <laughs> it's like probably like to a degree took over his life a little bit for a few years there oh yeah um
0: i met him so long ago with you know through fr- mutual friends like you know actory people and different people and he was with
1: sherman and stuff right like those guys was that i think yeah, yeah.
0: sherman and I guess, like, Happy knows him, and I know, like, Griffin Dunn, but I don't know. I'm not that close to Griffin Dunn, although After Hours is one of my favorite movies. But um, we have mutual friends. But anyway, he uh, we did a, a job together.
1: What job was that?
0: It was called – it's called The Sugar Plum, which is an Israel Horowitz play. And it was – there used to do these teleplays for – I forgot what it was for. It was, like, not Lifetime, but there was some – company that did teleplays.
1: Cool. A filmed one. So you it wasn't just ha- audio. It was actually like a film. A teleplay. Yeah, of course. Like was it like with a black, like what kind of set was it on?
0: It was in a sound stage. It was in New York yeah. and the set was built on a soundstage. And it's an interesting play and it's called The Sugar. So yeah, we were filming it and Fisher had just broken up or been I think he broke up with um, Michelle Pfeiffer.
1: Oh wow. I didn't know about that that dalliance.
0: Yeah, it was really and so the only two funny things were we were rehearsing and sometimes I I disempower myself with my energy, as you know, and my whatever I present. So I even though I had done tons of movies and jobs or whatever at that point, I because it was a play and I viewed him, I put him in this light of this like, you know sort of guy who had been done more work and was smart, you know, better at it than me or knew more. So he started kind of like taking me under his wing and we would meet in the West village, not romantically, but just like, he was like helping me. Like I would, I, you know, with my part. And then I quickly realized like, I don't want this (laughs) relationship. (laughs) So you felt like a
1: mentor mentee type thing. Exactly.
0: And I didn't, I did it to myself and I was like, ugh. And then the only other thing was one morning, my alarm, I was staying on Washington and 11th and my alarm clock didn't go off and was, you know, we had a call time. And he was, he would pick me up in an, in the car on the way and we would take, cause he was also like, I guess in the village. And he was waiting for, because my alarm didn't go off at all. I was sleeping. And I've never, I'm like such a good, you know what I'm like. Yeah. I set like 10,000 alarms. You're very punctual. Maybe that's why.
1: You're very punctual. But I'm
0: super, if anything, I'm punctual. Like even if I'm chaotic in some ways. And he got he got mad at me in the uh, in the limo. And then there was well, another really enough. weird. I mean, that's fair yeah. enough. You know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I won't tell the other story. Maybe I'll save some of these. Come on, one more
1: Fisher Fisher Spooner story. Okay,
0: I feel like this is – we did have a little flirt, and this is so funny. So we're in the car, in the limo, um, town car, and we had made up. And then it was the only time, like, we were flirting – And I think I don't fart a lot. Like you've never (laughs) heard me fart or seen me fart. Like maybe you and I are Virgos. We're like, don't fart in front of each other. And I think I farted in the car or something. And I was just like, what's the timing of this? Like why? Like it was like, and he had his head on my lap. Oh my God. (laughs) Because he was like lying down on the way to work. And it was sort of like sweet and romantic. Uh Horrific, I'm sorry. But I was just like, your body is telling you something like maybe it was like not meant to be. (laughs) Your body
1: keeps a score.
0: (laughs) Exactly. Oh my gosh. But he's great. Yeah. And I admire him. And this documentary about Beckham is phenomenal. What
1: Did you know about Beckham? Like I kind of feel like I just knew he was like a pretty boy and a good soccer player and married to Posh. Oh
0: yeah. But I didn't know much about him. Oh, he was massive. My brother even had a shirt that said board of the Beckhams. Like there was a time when he and Posh were like, you couldn't like turn your head and not be inundated. Well, I like guess the you were
1: account. you were going to England a lot at that time. I wasn't spending a lot of time in England, so I was like, and in Australia, and in America too. People, oh, really? Yeah. Huh. But yeah, oh, I, I found know. it kind matched. of. Did, so, did you finish it?
0: No, I'm dying to oh, finish. I found it. the I'm end so really excited. like bittersweet.
1: Like it's a oh, yeah, interesting. I don't want
0: a bittersweet yeah, ending. Yeah, yeah. He looks great, and I'm like clocking all his nice clothes uh, i has got a great cardi to...
1: that is a man who can rock a cardi oh,
0: yeah. oh such a cardi <laughs> yeah
1: i'm about to go play on a telly show today i'm going to play on studio 10 um and i'm going to do like a version of cigarettes will kill you guitar stuff and then Ooh, doing that. the tiktok show tomorrow and then coming home to you baby
0: yeah, maybe now it's 75 hours until I see you. Yeah. No, no, 65.
1: Wow, yeah, this is the longest we've ever been apart. Mhm. Absolutely crazy. Let's not repeat it. Let's let, let's shan't let's shan't repeat it anytime soon.
0: No. What's monoculture?
1: Monoculture. Monoculture is the idea that everyone is focused on the same cultural moments. So like the Beatles on Ed Sullivan. Um, but yeah, on that, so you heard that on that Critics at Large podcast, they were talking about that. Right? <laughs> yes, had a dinner. Because I remember that you had that ex- this exact talk about monoculture. Um, but it's, it's interesting because w- one of the people on it was saying it, it's a little bit of a fantasy too, the idea that there weren't, like sometimes we just remember in history these big events and assume that everyone was involved in them, but there was always subcultural events happening at the same time. Um, But yeah, that's the idea. The idea is like in the Taylor Swift or something that it's like, are we moving back from such a splintered sense of niche culture back to a sort of monoculture where everyone's involved and got opinions and, you know. Captures
0: your imagination. It does,
1: baby. Um
0: do you think it'll be weird when we're back together? We
1: can have a good coming home fight?
0: I don't think we so. You gotta have one. We, I mean maybe. Yeah. As Dave Navarro said, re-entry is a bitch. Re-entry
1: is a bitch. Well You'd, I don't know. We had a little bicker this be... morning on the so that was good. We maybe we got that out yeah. of the way.
0: That was that was not the worst bicker, but it was a bit no, good. it's What's so
1: weird when you have a fight right when you get back together and because it, it's like you can feel it coming. It's like it's like a weather pattern or something. And it's like, oh man, we're to fight. I wonder what we
0: can do to avoid that. Because it's obviously like you're just sort of annoyed that you've been a part yeah, yeah, and like yeah. you're Resentful. sort of a yeah. level of you is like blaming. Like when cats ignore you when you come back from a trip. But I wonder if we can... It's so funny. You try to like preemptively put it off, but... Yeah.
1: The heart wants what it wants. To fight. Um, I've... Gotta go run out the door and go do this telly show.
0: Get on the telly. What channel?
1: Uh channel 10, Studio Ten, mate.
0: All right. <laughs> Don't know it. I'm sure I've watched it. When we first I'll let you go, but when we first we moved to Australia for a year and when we moved there, um I was like traumatized because it was COVID land in America and you know, we were and in also a just the Trump
1: craziness and everything going the Trump, on in America. Everything.
0: Yeah. So we we were in our lockdown hotel, which was actually like chill. It wasn't fancy, but it was like, had a little balcony and it was fine. But then we put on this show and it was like a cheese. It was, it was like a cheese <laughs> thing where you run down a hill chasing cheese. Rolling cheese barrels. It was <laughs> just one of those, like when you go to another country and they have their own version of dumb TV, <laughs> but it was the cozy. It was actually not that dumb, but it was like, I can't tell you the comfort of another country's bad TV. But also then was the prime minister
1: me. came out and did a press conference like leaving the gym and he was basically just in like his leisure wear standing on the street with like a couple of people with microphones. You were like, that's the prime minister. I was like, that's how we do politics here, baby. <laughs> I was into
0: it. And the newscasters are a little less like hyped. They're more just like, I was explaining to our friend about the law, the sort of following of rules that.
1: Yes, we're, in a, we're an obedient nation of convicts.
0: Yeah.
1: All right, I got to go. Well,
0: have a great telly show. I love and you. beautiful know. babies, love you.
1: Talk to you later. And beautiful babies, we'll talk to you later. Together we're
0: we'll get it. together. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more.